Welcome to Sin City with Nick Menezes and Dane McLean. Live chat about everything cinema, from new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you movie lovers. Live for CMRU.ca. And now, to the men behind the mic. Let it go. The cold never bothered me anyway. So welcome to another episode of Sin City, baby. Let's get this party started, mi amigo. <laughs> so, before we get to that, we have a few announcements to make. Yesterday, our good friend and vice president of the Society of Broadcasting, Benjamin Goodman, announced that there's going to be new shows coming soon on Disney+. Plus: The Obi-Wan Kenobi series, Ahsoka Tano, and don't miss out today's episode of The Mandalorian, now streaming on Disney+. Plus. And then there's the new and upcoming Disney film, which is called Encanto, which is set to start to be set in none other than Colombia. What are your thoughts on this, Dane? Since we know our audiences all know Colombia is your favorite country to travel. Your thoughts, man? Yeah, I just found out about this yesterday through uh, my girlfriend, of course. She shared it and she's super excited as a uh, proud Colombian. So, I mean, this is amazing. Like, um, I... I was very, very just, like, excited, just, wow, I, when I saw that post, I was like, this is going to be a really interesting film, and it uh, looks beautiful, and I can't wait for a uh, Disney movie to finally be able to properly honor the country, and its beauty, and its history, and I think um, it'll make the country proud, so I'm really excited about this, it's unbelievable, I'm still just like in shock about how cool this is so it's gonna be really amazing oh yes and it definitely shows and it's about time as well because like a few years ago we've had the disney slash pixar film coco which delivered a very beautiful and nuanced representation of mexican culture then we had moana which delivered yet another beautiful interpretation of polynesian culture like this is really a great era for all cultures around the world to get the respect and the recognition they deserve and what better way to show it than the big mouse himself so true oh i know i i think it's going to be um it's it's really exciting like i I hope i hope that i can be there to watch it in colombia with um camila next year that's my that's my hope that would be such a cool experience so i hope that that's possible and um yeah i'm excited to see what the film does for the country as far as um sort of newfound uh, interest maybe tourism Uh, i think like coco really really helped just sort of spur the interests of people around the world in Mexico and I thought at the time I was thinking like oh it'd be so cool like not like I I love Coco and I think it's amazing but I was thinking it'd be so cool if this sort of thing could happen for Colombia in the future two years ago and next thing you know wow it's it's happening (laughs) so this is really this is really just I still can't believe it but it's going to be I think I think it's going to be a great movie so I'm excited it's really good to hear man they show a place that I have a lot of um, emotions and memories too, so connected to. So this is going to be really, really special, I think, for a lot of people. And just in general, it's going to be a great movie. So I'm, I'm so excited. 
it's really good to hear, man. Yeah, I, I, be, I bet Camila must have been really happy as well to hear the news, didn't? Wasn't she? Oh yeah, I think she was because I mean she she's she's grown up same as us watching Disney movies and it's such a big part of uh, your life and how you see the world and to have a, have your own culture your own home country represented in Disney is is you know it's giving love to the the myths to the stories to the people and so I can't think of a better way than um, to have a, a Disney movie made about your your homeland so that's that's something that's going to be I think just I think really special for people especially um, I think Latin America in general but of course especially Colombia but it's um, another another great movie that will I think be an iconic film as part as in part of the Disney universe so I can't wait for it I think it's going to be really can't wait to can't wait to see more I can't wait to see like a full trailer in the coming months so so much is so much going on with that like it's just so exciting oh yeah definitely me too i also can't wait to see it as well it's been quite a long time since i've watched a disney film to be honest with you because this is this has changed but before i thought that you know disney was just for kids and at this point i've already outgrown them but this week I have been re-watching most of Disney Disney's films in preparation for this episode and it really taught me that you're never to, you don't have to be young to truly enjoy this universe. Disney is not just for kids but for everyone. It appeals to both audiences. Mm. Oh, definitely. And I think um for example, as a young adult now, uh, I think it's even it's even you know, you can connect to it more almost because you've experienced your full um, younger years almost, and so it's you understand more of the emotional side of it even more than you did as a, as a kid, perhaps. So, yeah, I, I you know, you and me, we we both we both probably um, watched a lot of the same Disney movies, and we we'd grown up watching the same movies, and we didn't even realize it and it's shaped us in ways that we probably don't even realize so it definitely had a a big influence on everyone around the world it's pretty it's pretty impressive of course yeah yeah definitely agreed like like who doesn't love disney like every kid in the world knows what disney is like you love disney our parents love disney our grandparents love disney everyone knows what disney is not knowing what disney is is like not knowing what who santa claus is or king kong yeah i see your point man mm, definitely and uh yeah like i i mean uh, as far as going back to watch the disney movies that you you once loved i think uh you know it's always a through slightly different lens because you you kind of lose that uh childlike uh, wonder about the world and the world starts to feel more perhaps you know it's it's more of a of a real a, a real sense of this okay the world's not magical to the same extent as i once thought it was but it is like it still is you you lose that realization as you grow up but it still is as magical as it was when you were a kid if you really you know have that curiosity in your life to appreciate nature and um just just the beautiful parts of our world right so it's uh something that i think is a real necessary uh return to that feeling i think it's really important exactly yeah creative person but just 
anyone anyone in general i think exactly yeah yeah i see your point man and also i never told him this in one but Disney was actually the very thing that inspired me to draw to love art like my inspiration to draw stuff like since I was a kid I was really I had this thing for aesthetic I was really amazed by how it was presented the environment the characters like when I like a character so much that I just want to draw that character I have even a collection of drawings throughout the years I made if you'd like to see it after we're done with this show oh and I love your art that you've been posting for the last uh, year or so, three years through your social media. I think it's just, it shows all of the different influences in your life. And they're also, you know, there's so many different genres that you've liked and so many different characters. And I can see how um, whatever films you end up making, if it's animated, whether it's live action, whatever type of films you end up doing, you will bring something very unique from yourself, but also from influence influences that you've been shaped by so i think i can't wait for that i thank you dang that means so much and also don't count yourself out too not all art has to come in paper and pencil but also in music and cinematography and you have shown that as well with none other than your surfing in the dark demos well done well done man really well done sir yeah i think uh it's, it's interesting, like, uh, just the sphere of influence. You will always have those things that influence you as a young child. And I think, for example, like, yeah, I, I think Disney movies are really, most, most of them I really like. I'm not, like, I, I can't say, like, every single one or every single one mm-hmm. I've been connected to. And I know, like, uh, there is that argument that, like, Disney movies, it's sort of a... Um, unrealistic or idealistic sort of way that they show life like the perfect sort of endings romance and everything gets tied up nicely in a bow but I think like a lot of Disney movies have challenged that and they've challenged that idea of what like perfect is and there is no real perfect uh, life or perfect relationship with a partner so I think that's that's the nice thing is you also see that a lot of Disney movies are mature and starting to show that it's not all uh you know it's not all easy but it's also beautiful at the same time exactly yes and that's the thing too about Disney is that even though it's marketed as a children's network at the same time it appeals to both children and adults as well they are not counted out and that's what i really appreciate about the genre as well mm-hmm. oh yeah I mean, um, like, I'm thinking now of some of the best, some of the best movies of all time. It's just, you know, anything from, you could argue, Toy Story is definitely in that, in that conversation, I think. Um, it's literally one of the best films of all time. Like, uh, non-animated, animated, one of the best films. Um, I mean, you could say the same for, in my opinion, like, movies like Up or mm-hmm. Aladdin. Uh, there's there's a there's a lot of Disney movies that are in that conversation as you know being at the top 100 films of all time, and uh, considering a lot of them are so surprisingly old or from old old stories or like I don't know it's it's crazy that these movies sort of uh, were even more emotional and ahead of their time than a lot of 
films at the time. Like they had a a more complex character um, study than a lot of other movies, even though they were animated. So that's something really interesting. Very true, man. Yeah. And that reminds me as well, before 2003, which was when many Disney films, to name a few, Brother Bear and Finding Nemo, before that year, the, the Academy did not give much recognition to animated films. But, but it wasn't until 2003 that the Oscars introduced a new category, which is Best Animated Feature. That was... It's really satisfying as well because these films are not just to make children laugh, cry and everything in between, but they also, like most movies in general, deliver important messages about society and culture. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of it is, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's through the sort of um, child it's like it's appealing to children the sort of visuals and the maybe the characters and like the look and those things but the actual themes are, are actually quite serious a lot of them like they're actually very serious a lot of them are about you know loss or or death or or heartbreak or um just like feeling like you're not you know like part of something like maybe you're an outsider or you feel alienated by in your society or, or whatever it is or like there's just so many topics that are really you know they're very universal topics that i think everyone has, has experienced or felt so or will deal with so um that's that's the beauty with beauty with disney films i think it's just their universality oh yeah you're right yeah definitely since it appeals to both audiences as well i think yeah disney it's like there's a lot of child like innocence in it and through the through a lot of the movies and i think a lot of the movies are done really well and there's other things that i think will have to be challenged absolutely disney representations of characters oh yes now that you mentioned that like in the past of course that part that can be forgiven because we i today's audiences are much smarter than that today and disney has learned from their mistakes but let's of course not forget in the past they have had some pretty uh rough interpretations of different people like in dumbo the crow you've you've watched dumbo i believe oh yeah yes well well Mm-hmm. There are some definite problematic. Parts. Oh yes, like the crows, for example, which are clearly stereotypes of African Americans. Then there's Lady and the Tramp with its the Siamese cats, which is an obvious Asian stereotype, and Peter Pan, of course, with the you know the red skin Indians. Yeah, but. Yeah. That doesn't, of course, take away from the the impact Disney has had on pop culture. I was impacted uh, our childhoods in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, it's good that it's good that they're progressing. So I mean, like the next generation of movies will be more um, obviously like proper representations and actually having actors from these cultures you know, voice the characters and actually like like be in contact with people from these parts of the world that they're depicting, making sure they're accurate. So these are all things that are like really good changes that are going on at Disney. So like, 
I'm not trying to criticize Disney. I'm no worries. Saying, like, there is obviously like a bad, some bad past, definitely. Even though there's the fantasy element, there is like the the racist structure in the United States that is you can see in the in Disney films, like you've been talking about. So I'm I'm hope, hopeful like in the future it's going to get even better, you know, better films as far as like making them um, not they're, like they're actually doing proper representations of people, right? So that's going to be really good. And I think as culture moves along, it'll influence. Obviously, it'll influence these biggest films being made and vice versa. So that's that's good. That's a good uh, change that I'm seeing. Of course, yeah. With Coco, Moana, and now with Encanta, the future of Disney and its representation of many cultures across the world is looking to a bright one for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's, it's like uh, you know, like you're, you're talking about a lot of these movies that are so were so emotionally complex and, and epic for the time, like. It's hard. To, it's hard to always remember. Like some of these films came out so long ago, in the '40s and '50s, and you know those were very, very difficult times. Um, as far as just there wasn't very equal rights across the board in the United States, so it's kind of sad when you look back on it because it's it's very like those are the movies people grew up watching, and then when you're older you realize, oh wait, this is actually this is really quite problematic and. Just so many problems with it, but I am. I, I do feel confident that, like the the movies that you know our children, our grandchildren will, will watch, will at least be better in those ways. They will be just as good, I think, artistically. Like the mm. Disney movies are just as good artistically and visually and emotionally as they were in the past, but they're getting better in every sense and being more respectful and. Um, actually like well-read and educated as far as how they show different people so this is that's something i'm really excited about so me too yeah who knows maybe one day they'll make a disney film as well about argentina for sure or one of canada that'll be something worth watching for sure like disney really is thinking outside the box as the years go by it's no it doesn't always have to be about princes and princesses or fairy tales they are experimenting like moving outside of their usual scope yeah and that's like the thing we were talking about the other day with um uh, not the other day actually one of our first podcasts ever almost a year ago uh, it's weird that like something that happened almost a year ago feels like the other day just the nature 2020 mm-hmm. um but, but our first podcast again that was when we were talking about robert eggers for example mm-hmm, like, yes really different from oh, oh no worries no worries man uh the fact that what he's doing in film and, and really starting to tap into like regional uh mythology mythologies and stories and um, cultures like it, it's so interesting and you see that around the world how filmmakers are starting to to do this and in every country they're starting to really show films that are important to the people of that place so yeah the future for disney i mean it, as the world becomes more interconnected and um you know, it's not going to just be show, like movies um, shown through this very specific American light anymore. So that's mm-hmm. that's something that I think is really 
intriguing. Like there's endless opportunities for stories to be made, and uh, I can't wait to see what happens. As far as being super excited about this film in Canto, I'm just blown away by it. Still, that it's uh, you know the announcement recently, but just films after that and all of the films of the future. I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Like you can kind of see how okay that childlike excitement over a new Disney film. I'm starting to feel that as a 24-year-old over in Canto, but it's totally like a coincidental thing that I happened to have that connection to this place. So it's really, it shows that like, it's possible as an adult to still feel as excited about about these new releases. It's really, it's really interesting because um, as you know, like I'm not like, you know, the last, few years and the movies I have talked about the most like I think you can attest to this Nick a lot of my movies are like kind of (laughs) sad darker movies that I tend to like so but even as that having that preference for those types of movies I still have that Disney you know side that I still really enjoy so I, I like I like both so that's something that's really just fun to be able to enjoy both sides of the of the kind of like um, the light and the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you don't. As I said, you don't have to be a kid to really enjoy Disney. It's okay to be a kid at heart. And you are showing a good example of that, my friend. Balancing both the light and the dark. And now that that is out of the way and we are in the halfway point, it's time to get to the ranking. Our top 10 favorite Disney films of all time. So I guess I would go with um, The Jungle Book. Mmm. Then, I guess, I don't know, like, how do I rank these? I, I just, like, I just think, remember, Jungle Book was pretty good in that, like, I, I really like the... I, I like the, the animals in it. I think they were just like really fun. I don't know. It was a fun movie. Like it wasn't like too heavy. You could kind of watch it and just, you know, it wasn't like you had to have some heartbreaking moment really. From what I remember, there's not really a heartbreaking moment. There might be. It's Disney. But, um, oh. I just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the, the, like, the style of it, the, the setting. Everything about the Jungle Book was really good in my opinion. Oh yes, and of course, who could forget that song? Before the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and you strive. Yes, that song is like the Jungle Book is one of Disney's most underrated films for sure. In fact, it was the first one made after the big guy just died, passed away, of course, and it still managed to be amazing. Like, even- I really, really like. Like you said, like there's great songs and I, t- I almost forgot somehow. Mm-hmm. There are some good songs, and um, yeah, it's like it's technically a musical, like animation slash musical film. So that's well, that's interesting. That's right, and it has a one something that other Disney movies don't have today. The only one that has a remake that manages to be just as good as the original, The Jungle Book. Really good choice too, man. I didn't see it. I didn't see it, but I've heard that it, it, it was it was like so. Was was yes. Excellent choice, man. And uh, my number ten 
I knew I had to give this film a spot on the list. I give this one to the one that started it all, the very first Disney animated film ever, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Wow, like, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great one. Oh, yeah. I forgot about it. Oh, no, but that's also, I could make it into my list, too. Thanks, man. <laughs> like, this, <laughs> like this film, it's, it's the very first feature Disney film ever and done in color as well. It came out 1937 and it still looks beautiful. I have memories of nostalgia watching it. It was my first Disney film, by the way. I watched it with my mom back when I was in Spain. And I'd rewatch it more times than any other Disney film. It's this film, it's just groundbreaking. It challenged the perceptions of animation, really well drawn, and it's also a very iconic film with lots of good songs. I ho, I ho, it's home from work we go. Yes, just this film is the one that defined my childhood too. It was like the beginning of an amazing, amazing chapter. It's unbelievable. 1937, like those animations are so good. <clears throat> yes. It's so hard to believe. I mean, it looks. If I was just to guess, I would say, okay, maybe the '70s, maybe the '80s, but 1937. That's something really shocking to me. It's just how old these movies are and how how good it looks. Like it's just so visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And actually, like when you really look at it, you're like, wow, this is actually not as it's maybe not as realistic as you once thought it was. Like, I, I'm looking at some of the characters, I thought they looked more, like, real back then. But they still look really, like, amazingly drawn, and, and the artists were incredible, but it's it's almost more, it looks more like a, a fantasy than I remember. Like, it's very, uh, very dreamlike. Oh, yes. Agreed, yeah. And this is actually one of the films that inspired my love for drawing when I watched the behind the scenes. Like, I was amazed how they, the, of the color palette, how they drew every single character. And for a time, I was inspired to become an animator for a while. I think you still will be. I don't think that'll ever leave you in your, your career path because you, you've got that filmmaking strong suit as well as your talent for drawing so i think the two are going to eventually merge together i think that's your that's your destiny nico <laughs> thanks d thank you i always know how to lift a guy's spirits up and now we move on to number nueve with ud i would say the fox and the hound mm, yes um let's go with fox and the hound because that's actually that's probably bigger in my heart i would say as far as just being like a very a very emotionally gripping movie like i mean talk about a movie that could make you cry i think i don't know i haven't seen it in a long time but i uh yeah i just remember it was very very sweet you know seeing this sort of bond between a fox and a hound that's the title <laughs> i almost forgot what, what what the other animal was that's the name um yeah, it's, did you, have you seen it? I did, yes. I, I loved it, really. It's probably one of Disney's most 
underrated films as well. It's about it tells a very beautiful, touching story about friendship and how it can be found in the most unlikely places too. Definitely, yeah. I still can't believe just how old this movie is either. Like, I at the time when you're watching it in the '90s as a child, you're like, okay, this this movie must be from like the '80s. Like, that's what I thought when I was young. Maybe it was made in the '80s. It was, yes. Then I, then I researched it later. It's made in. Oh, it was made in the '80s. Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry, man. I thought it was older than that. Like, actually. It's made in 81. But I mean, even for that, like, I thought it was, okay, maybe late 80s, almost early 90s. See, I, I tricked myself. I thought it was, like, from the 60s in real life, but now it's actually from 81. But, um, yeah, it's one of those movies. Um, it's really, it's, I don't know. It's kind of about, I guess, friendship, of course, and it's about sort of, like, loyalty and friendships and um uh, it's pretty tragic actually like it's actually quite sad yes. seeing how their sort of their friendship what it turns into is actually pretty, pretty heavy stuff um yeah i'm kind of traumatized by it in some ways like it's actually really quite sad <laughs> yeah that's right disney making children cry and laugh since 1937 fox and the hound is no exception and the fox and the hound too it also it's real it's kind of also funny if you think about it because it's based on a book and in that book the fox and the hound were not friends at all they were practically enemies trying to kill each other but <laughs> the fox and the hound made things lighter and softer as disney as disney yeah and i mean like pretty crazy when you think about it like it was kurt russell who voiced copper oh yeah what what i did yeah. not know that i know it's Damn. Surprising. Like, kurt russell you think of like obviously a lot of pretty gritty movies <laughs> as an as a you know, more recent look at Kurt Russell, but then he played uh, Copper um, in, in, in the original. Wow. So he played that comment. Oh, <laughs> wow. Which is... My... <laughs> so I don't know, like 81, so he would have been 30 at that time. Yeah, and this was so. a year before he starred in The Thing. It's impressive. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Box of the Hound of the Thing. <laughs> Oh, and speaking of copper, shout out to to Dane's cat, pet cat, Copper. Congratulations, Messi. Friendship can be found in the unlikely places. In your case, a dog and a cat. It's amazing, really. Yeah, we were kind of, we were kind of like the, the cat's name. I like it now, but it wasn't my it wasn't my first choice. I I voted for another name. We did like a family vote for the for the name. That was, I didn't vote for it, but I'm, I've, I've warmed up to it. And I think my parents were influenced by this movie, Fox and the Hound. Even though it's a cat, it's, not a thing. it's neither a fox or a hound. It's, it's a totally different animal um, species. But they were inspired, I think, by the name Copper in this movie. Because it is like a really like memorable name. And uh, yeah, I mean, cat's orange, so it makes sense. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, Copper, he's, he's pretty... 
pretty good cat. Like. It's nice to hear, man. It's really, and also good choice too with fox and the hound as well. For my number nine, I'll give this one to Sleeping Beauty. Like, okay. I, I grew up with this film as well. It's it's beautifully animated. The it's basically a classic fairy tale in every sense of the word. But what really sold this film for me, as from as per the words of the King of Horror, Stephen King, the strength of a story depends on the strength of its villain, and Sleeping Beauty's villain, Maleficent, she is probably one of the best Disney villains anyone can ever come up with. Like, basically... She, I, I've always been a fan of villains since I was a kid, and Maleficent was pretty much like the only reason for anyone to watch this film. Like, just she's so like she's charismatic. She has, she basically steals every scene she's in. Like that's when you know a film is good when it's villain. The villain is far more interesting than the hero. That's true. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Disney movies are famous for their very, very, uh, like, you either, you usually are frustrated by, like, the villain, but you're also, they make them charming enough that it's, like, kind of, you could like the villain in the sense that it's, like, an interesting character, but, like, also they're just so, like, dastardly, and you just, you really don't like them at all, of course, but it's, like, they're great characters. It's really well-written, well-written characters. Oh, yes. And this film also, it's like most Disney films, I'd say. It's beautifully drawn, and the music, it just has a lot of heart and gravitas to it. But also, because of all that, it's mostly carried by the strength of its antagonist, and that's why Sleeping Beauty holds a place in my heart and at number nine in the list. And now we move on to number eight with you again, Big D. Oh, man. Well, my list is kind of weird, to be honest, because I had a uh, lot of Pixar coins thrown in. But, I, know what uh, I might go with Alice in Wonderland. Ooh, wow. I think that's, that's a film that I think like has influenced a lot of other movies, like actual like non-Disney movies, non-animated movies. Like It's very... Um, it's very stylish. It's a very stylish movie. Mm-hmm, agreed. Yeah. yeah, like I know, um, uh, for example, oh man, I didn't, I, I think I saw the new one as well, like the Johnny Depp one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, the original, I like the original, I think. Nice man, yeah. That's, that's the best one, I think, in my opinion. Although the, the new one's okay. It's not, it's not bad. Yeah, 1951 yeah it's actually quite scary like it's a pretty scary world and uh like yeah like you said very lynchian 
So I think, like, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Lynch was somehow influenced by Alice in Wonderland, at least, like, subconsciously. Um, I know Camila, uh, she made a web series at her university about wow. three years ago, and she did um, this interesting web series where she basically took, like, famous Disney movies and created sort of a live-action, like, in the real world, inserting these, like, Games and characters into the real world. Real wow. world. And hers on Alice in Wonderland. I think that was like her scariest one of the four episodes or three or four episodes. Um, it was it was the scariest one because there is something really quite terrifying about it. About Alice in Wonderland, like it's um, wow. it's kind of a nightmare, like it's sort of a dream, but it's sort of a nightmare at the same time. Wow. And I thought this show was for kids. <laughs> Nice man. Yeah. Like in a way also, Alice in Wonderland, it captures one of the most essential themes in a Disney film, which is escapism. I think that's what Alice in Wonderland is at its core. About escapism, trying to be ideal, escaping into another fantastical and weird yet fantastic world. Totally. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Absolutely. And uh, it's definitely a world that, you know, I probably wouldn't want to actually be in for very long. It's quite, quite worry. Yeah. You really think about it. It's true. Yeah. But still. Yes. Like. And. But, uh, do you think. Which did you like better? More like the newer, like the remake, the 2010 one, or the original one? The original one, of course. It really yeah. stood out to me the most. And again, this is one of Disney's most overlooked films as well. Because some people say it has no plot, but that's not. That doesn't make it any less better, of course. It's still a beautiful film about childhood innocence and idealism. It's really, I'm happy it's gotten more attention in these recent years. Exactly. Totally agree with you. Thanks. And I guess. What's your next one, would you say? My next one, which is probably the most recent film on this list goes to Zootopia. Um, have you ever seen it? Uh, no, no, I haven't actually. I know, I know it's a good movie though. It is, yeah. Zootopia is, hence the title, is about a, a city filled with ma anthropomorphic mammals where there is this bunny who's a cop who works together with a shady fox to apprehend a criminal. It's one part children's film and also one part crime thriller. It should be called Paw and Order, basically. Because, <laughs> okay, <laughs> for the animal puns. But Zootopia is it's more than just a film about kind honey animals it's also a film that deals with very very heavy topics namely prejudice and discrimination because the ant they keep there's this thing that predators are bad and prey are good like it really holds 
delivers the message that never judge a book by its cover and that we must all be accepting to one another. Yeah. I think I've heard about that. Like, it has a really good social message mm-hmm. from what I remember. It's quite, quite impressive and like very, um, very mature, mature themes in that film. Oh, yeah. Very, like, like this is... I love how when Disney does that, when they... They're, despite being marketed for kids, they're not afraid to delve into very difficult subject matter. It's really a really good wake-up call, especially in our divided world. For sure. Yeah, I think um, everyone sort of uh, everyone sort of like takes those key like teachings from a lot of these uh, sort of morally uh, morally just films right like they have these good morals and good messages about humanity i think like everyone grows up and they know them to be true and it's kind of like it'd be it'd be great if everyone could continue having that sort of level of compassion that you do when you're young like i feel like obviously you look at the politicians of the world i mean there's lots of decent politicians a lot of politicians who look like they had Maybe not the best childhoods, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and I think we all know, like, who who that would be if you look at, you know, think about the current landscape in the world. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of sad. Like you see, like the the idealism and the um, compassion that people slowly can either people can either keep that for the rest of their lives and always remember it and remember that that one principle that makes us human is just caring for one another to uh, be kind or you could become a bitter old person right and Absolutely. that's not something that Absolutely. is uh, a very attractive direction so it's good it's good that i think more adults should watch these movies and mm-hmm. learn a thing or two and remember them absolutely yeah we make them place. of course yeah it also contains, aside social themes aside, it also contains stunning animation and really great vocal, like voice performances from Jennifer Goodwin, uh, Jason Bateman, and Idris Elba. This is one of the finest examples of voice acting, and also one of the best animated films in the past decade, for sure. And that's why it's on my number eight. Now, I'm sorry, you want to say something? High praise, I need to see this. Of course, now available on Disney+. Plus. And now, number seven goes to you, amigo. I'll probably go with, this is a tough one. I'm really having a hard time Always, man. narrowing it down. But maybe, uh, maybe Pinocchio. Ooh, excellent choice. The second Disney film, by the way. Oh, is it? Really? Yes. Wow. So it's quite old. Yeah, I know that's like from. Well, I guess the actual, like, original novel was from 1883. So that's, that's a very old novel. Wow. 100 and, what, 137 years? Or, Damn. Yeah. It's an old story. And then, of course, 1940. It's uh, 80 years old now, the actual film. But again, 1940. If you told me that when I was a kid, I wouldn't believe you because that movie like, might as well be made in the you know 
golden 20th century for all I knew, for all I cared. Like, just, I never imagined it was from this other time, 50 years before I was even born. Um, so, great movie, and I mean, it's very, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely scares you as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> realize like little lies are pretty, you know, detrimental to you, to your life. And, uh, yeah, it's a really, it's a really good story. Like it's very, it's, it's really one that I remember kind of scared me. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I don't want to end up like Pinocchio. <laughs> or turn into a donkey as well. Uh, like yeah. is yeah, like it's also it's a great film also about innocence but also a cautionary tale as well that to be careful what you wish for and to be that not everyone is good that the world is is also dark and we must also be careful about the shadows in this world that's true exactly yeah i i don't remember like the whole premise of Pinocchio. I just remember it. I just, I just remember it being actually, it's, it's quite like surreal. Also, I mean, all Disney movies are surreal. Like it's not based on our exact world. Well, it's fantasy, but it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Like the actual thought behind this character, like it's just so, Whoever came up with it, like, it's very imaginative to be able to come up with something like this. And in the 1800s, that's pretty, wow. Oh, yeah. It's just very interesting, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is also the film that introduced us to the song When You Wish Upon a Star, which is probably, like, the national anthem of Disney at this point. It really... Wow. Yes, really... I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, Pinocchio too. Like it's it's got a hundred percent of rooms. Like it's, it's the original. Like it's basically every critic is giving it a thumbs up. Nice. That's pretty rare, especially for even even Disney films. Not not even Disney films are pretty consistently like a hundred percent as far as well. yeah, that's that's very arbitrary. Like it's just that's just one website but i do i do put a, a little bit of like my you know help me steer towards something i might like i tend to like kind of agree with rotten tomatoes in my opinion more than like say imdb or something but me too. not that it matters not that it matters but i mean like it's just interesting 100 percent. that's pretty that's pretty good oh yeah good. definitely like the pinnacle of disney animation for sure yeah yeah and at my number seven, I'll give this one to 101 Dalmatians. This film is one is also one of my mom's favorites. I'd watch it with her when I was a kid back in Chile. And it really brought out a lot of nostalgia for my mom, especially when she spent her youth in London, since this film takes place in England. And at the same time, we both love dogs too. All kinds of dogs, really. And this was the perfect film for us. Uh, and that's the original one, right? Like the six, from the 60s. That's right, yes. Yeah, that's a great movie. I also, I also like the, the newer one. Like that's like the 
more of the live action one, right? Like that one is pretty good. That's kind of the one I remember more, which is you know I don't think it came close to the probably the cartoon. No worries. That one sticks out in my head a little bit more for whatever reason. Maybe I watched it. I don't know more. I don't know. But yeah, the original original cartoon that was really that was really good. That's right. Oh yeah, like yeah. made me like basically what inspired my love for for dogs, Dalmatians especially. Like they're just so cute, and one hundred one Dalmatians introduced us also to one of the most iconic villains in the Disney canon, Cruella Deville. Like, God, she is mm, like. She's really has a big presence in the film. Like, never did I think a movie could make us love an animal hater who wants to make a fur coat out of animals. But Corella Deville, she is a really iconic villain. She's she's a large ham. Like she she steals every scene she's in. Then again, most Disney villains do. It's well done. Yeah, she was pretty intimidating. <laughs> oh, understatement of the century. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's obviously evil. Like Cruella Deville. Yeah, most Disney villains back then were. We we could already tell they're the bad guy, right off the bat. But still, yeah. This is really. I, this is why it's on my number seven. And now, now numero seis with you, Amigo. Okay. Um, this is getting harder as we go on. Um, I would probably go with uh, maybe Sleeping Beauty. Ooh, yes. I think, yeah, yes. That's, that's a good Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm trying, to, <laughs> trying to figure out what to say about this, but I just think like that was a really good movie. It was, it's really good. Like, and no, like, uh, I'd say, I don't know how to even describe this movie, but I guess yeah, like the whole. Uh, uh, Sorry, I'm trying to like actually. No I I know of Sleeping Beauty. I'm just like forgetting the characters. No worries, man. The princess in it. So. Uh, Aurora. Aurora and Prince Philip. That's right, right, right. And Maleficent. Yeah. Okay. Now I've got it. Okay. Sorry. No worries, man. Uh, still, I think it's still a movie that's pretty interesting. Like the Maleficent movies, of course, that have come out uh, since then. It's pretty pretty cool that you have this sort of continuation. I mean, a lot of these movies have been continued, but I think like Maleficent sort of found a new audience. Like it's it's very unique. I, I I'm not a fan of it. I haven't watched it, but I know a lot of people do actually like it quite a bit. Um, but it's it's pretty interesting how just like it opened up one world and then it's opened up kind of like. New worlds that aren't like direct remakes, but just like reimaginings. Oh yeah, agreed. Interesting about Sleeping Beauty is that it's like encompassed a lot of different different things in film. 
Agreed. Yeah. Like, you know, that shows the power of the, your antagonist. Like, your villain is so iconic that they make a movie all about her and not the titular Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, good, good call that. Yeah, it's based on the villain. I can't really think of any other movies that Disney movies have done. Maybe other movies that have done that, like, focused on the villains later on as sort of the main character uh no not exactly so far it's just maleficent right so pretty unique in that sense so i guess that's i couldn't wrap my head around why i like it but yeah that makes sense no, it's just it's very it's a really iconic movie like it's it's probably it's probably it wasn't like my go-to i think it was one that i would like watch maybe like my sister was watching and i'd be wow. watching it and i would actually like it more than i would like say that I would like you know you're kind of told like oh you're not supposed to as a boy like no one told me this but like as like it's not really meant to be for like for like maybe for for me as the audience right but I still really liked it I thought it was great oh yeah um yeah the whole premise the, the, the colors are amazing mm-hmm. really good choice man the reds the yellows it's just, it looks like Suspiria almost. It is, yeah. 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 Very, the color palette, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Way to bring it up, man. <laughs> like, I think a lot of art house movies, like a lot of art house and um, really stylish films outside of the animation realm, maybe in horror or maybe in drama, whatever. Um, definitely had influence in these Disney movies like I would I would be very 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 interested to hear from the creators of the original Suspiria like what were they influenced by was it perhaps maybe some Disney movies I think it might have been I'm not I can't guarantee that but I'm not surprised well it does draw influences from the standard fairy tales for sure yeah I mean right off the bat if you search like what films influenced Suspiria? Five films that influenced Argento's horror classics. So they've got like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Um, so that's not Sleeping Beauty, but you mentioned that, that it has an amazing color palette, like we were talking about earlier. And I think Sleeping Beauty is similar, like there's some similarities in color. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, like, wow. So it's everything from The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And I mean, like, I watched, just watched uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, um, like, a week ago. Mm. And even though it's a terrifying horror movie, there's something about it that is very Disney. Wow. Like, it's not at all a Disney movie, in the sense that it's not, it's not for kids, and it's not magical and fantastical, and it's actually very depressing. Like, it's, it's basically about, like, the build-up to World War II and the terrible atrocities that would happen. But... There's something about it that's like clearly Disney has taken from it, or like there's overlap, or like in this case, yes, Suspiria is influenced by both a Disney movie and one of the scariest original Gothic horror films. So it's really interesting. Wow. There is so much overlap in influence. Never saw it that way. Wow. It's <laughs> really. And also, a good choice too, as well, for number six. I guess that makes it so far the the first one we share in both of our lists. 
which my number six would is happens to be my mother's favorite Disney film. This one goes to Beauty and the Beast. Wow, great choice, yeah. It's like this one of the one of the best films from the era known as the Disney Renaissance. It's it's a standard fairy tale, but also it's a very a very nuanced love story too about and really good message too about how appearances can be deceiving and to never judge a book by its cover because the beast may be well beastly but deep down he's got a big heart it's really i love how they show that message as well this film also could hold a lot of relevance today i'd say Typical Something Disney that, fashion. Yeah. Yeah, really very typical. It's very, uh, I think it's important, I guess. Oh, yeah. And, get yeah. The, and even more interesting is that Beauty and the Beast became the very first Disney and animated film to be nominated for Best Picture. That really shows you don't need to be live action to be a good movie which unfortunately lost to another movie with a very similar plot, The Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. It's really... And so what year did Beauty? So that was 93 uh, or 94? Uh, 95, I believe. 95? Was, was it? Yeah, that's... Or, I can't remember. Me and my mom would would sing 
together in in those two iconic songs, the Beauty and the Beast, and of course the Oscar nominated song, Be Our Guest, Be Our Guest. <laughs> it's such so much nostalgia with this film. It still remains to this day my mom's favorite, and I knew I had to add it on this list because if it's animation story and really thought-provoking themes about acceptance and knowing the true meaning of love. That's why it wins. Thank you. And now we are on the halfway point. It's your turn now, man, for your number five. Oh, five. Yes. So, uh, I don't really know how to like do this, but maybe I'll do like, I can't really decide honestly between Bambi and Peter Pan. Wow. Could I kind of lump those two together? (laughs) Totally different movies, but I really don't know for number five. Like it's kind of like they're right there with each other. But maybe I'll go with, maybe I'll go with Bambi. Ooh, excellent choice. Yes. Yes. Uh, Bambi is really, I mean, if, if one movie has consistently sort of from the time I was young convinced me like hunting is just not, not good in my opinion, right? Like you, you're taking the life of, of a deer's mother and you're, you're basically like leaving a, an animal to be an orphan. Like that's it's tragic when you think about it. It's just, uh, I'm, it's, it's amazing that this movie came out at the time it did because I mean, hunting is such a big part of this, the history of every country. The 1940s weren't exactly the most sort of um, progressive in terms of thinking about animal rights and everything as a cultural whole, but for this movie to come out at that time and really like show sort of the effects of like how people treat animals and everything and how heartbreaking it is and how it is. you have to build, build empathy with, with nature and understand nature and treat nature well and everything. It does. I think only with one of those movies that's really affected me as a kid, it's just so sad, like seeing Bambi and, um, his mother, just their relationship and how tragic it ends. It's just, I mean, it's just, I think everyone knows just by the name, like they're mm-hmm. just that, oh, that, yeah. that's, that is associated with Bambi. Oh yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, and this Bambi was probably the first adult Disney film because the fact that Disney was not afraid of showing a very dark, deep, and heavy subject matter, which is the death of a parent. Like, it shows that this film is not pulling any punches. Like, Disney may be for kids, but at the same time, it wants kids to learn very important life lessons as well about the world, even no matter how harsh that may be. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really bold. Like, I mean... You think about what was allowed, what wasn't allowed in film and cinema up until the 60s or even today, there's there people are grappling with what, what can be shown on film, what can't be, of course, for a little bit. 
a little bit more anything goes today but even then there's limits and, and I mean like as far as like uh, like being able to show this in the 40s where it's, it's really it's really such a traumatic thing for I think for someone that like I was young watching this movie and just I kind of dreaded watching it because it's like I know what will happen and, um, mm. you really you can't help but think about your own life and your own parents and your own just have every everyone else who has parents that they love and animals are really no different so it's it's really a beautiful movie and it's it's a really important movie i think it's possibly the most one of the most important disney movies like as far as you know humanity goes and, and I agree. just the understanding morals and ethics in, in the world I agree, yeah. And at its core, Bambi, animal or human, regardless, it's a coming-of-age tale, too, about youth growing up, the death of innocence, and maturing into adulthood and getting ready to face the world. It's yeah. really, you're, and you're right, too, it's very, one of the most game-changing Disney films, for sure, for us and the genre. I would agree. I definitely agree with you. It's really good choice, man, as always. And at my number five, we're gonna go with this film. You see, in most Disney films, love stories tend to be rushed or not given much context, but this film, it probably shows the most realistic love story in a Disney film. And this is the film that took us all into a whole new world. I give this one to Aladdin. Oh, like, where do I even begin with this film? Well, let's start with the real elephant, no pun intended, in the room. In with this film, which is, of course, Robin Williams as the genie. Like, rest in peace, Robin Williams. And of course, he delivered such a charismatic bombastic performance as the genie in fact whenever people watch aladdin the genie is the main reason for them to watch this film because robin williams really is that good definitely yeah yeah i know that, that movie i need to watch again because it's that that is an honorable mention for me 100 that was in my list i have i have it in there unfortunately i had to kind of move things around before but yeah Aladdin that could have easily been in my list and um, it is it is such a such a beautiful movie as far as like it really it's just so colorful it's so just you, you wouldn't be bored at any part of this movie it's just so much going on and so much to look at and uh, yeah really really fun like the musical elements and you know, so much about it it's just a fantastic film oh yeah agreed and definitely one of robin williams best performances too it's a very and like i said it's a very it tells a very realistic love story it's not just the hero meets the princess and they fall in love after meeting one another but it takes time for them to actually to love each other for those feelings to develop which is very possible which is actually truth in television and in the real world definitely yeah that's not always like the love at first sight thing mm -hmm. yeah. 
So there is that element of uh, how, yeah, it's, it's a little bit more unpredictable than that as the times, right? So. Exactly. Yeah. And it also shows that you don't need to be a prince or someone of noble blood or high standards to really be loved. You, it can be, it's more what's on the inside that counts. And I think Aladdin perfectly shows that message. So well done, Aladdin. Great job. Great, great call, Yes. Now comes our number four. Let's move it to Dane. Your turn. Oh, probably have to go with uh, Lady and the Tramp. Yes. That's an iconic, famous plastic scene. I think just like that scene, just like that's just like the topper, right? It's just very, very iconic. It is. Um, and yeah, it just, it just feels like such a such a unique movie <laughs> like, if you really think about it like it's just I don't know like it's crazy it's, it's, it's crazy that looking back on it like it just feels like you're watching like a Leonardo DiCaprio whoa <laughs> like it's like Titanic almost well okay that's pretty no it, it's not a bad sort of you know tragic sort of mm-hmm. at least definitely, definitely. Okay. but it is like it's like a very um an essential sort of romance film and so the 50s i mean that's that's pretty impressive i again this looks like it could be from the 90s it could be from the beauty and the beast era it's just so like modern despite being almost like a half century old or it is by now and uh yeah I don't, I don't know. I haven't watched it in a long time. I just know that it's stands out on my mind. It's like you can't not mention the original Lady in the Tramp, right? So. Oh yeah, definitely. Even those who haven't seen the film are very familiar with that scene, the spaghetti scene. Just every time I watch that scene, it just makes me crave more pasta. <laughs> yes, so, so well done really good choice too and also much like with fox and the hound which showed friendship can come in the most unlikely places it showed love can also be found in the most unlikely places like between a dog who is purebred and high class to base who enters in a romantic relationship with a stray dog with no owner that's if that is doesn't tug at your heartstrings i don't know what does (laughs) Yeah, like a lot of so many um, Disney movies, especially the romance movies, really, really grapples with uh, like class, like sort of the class divide, like how yeah people are, it's like people how we in history, it's very like you have to basically you know find a partner within your class or within your sort of like standing in society, and it's very like it's hard to I guess. There's so many challenges with, I guess, um, what people face as far as just like meeting the person that they love, right? So it's like, it's really interesting that way. Agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a really good choice to add, man. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think it's similar. Yeah, like you said, it's very similar to Fox's Mouth. Like, it's very similar. Whereas, like, that one is more friendship, this one more uh, 
obviously moments. Um, but you you see the similarities. You definitely see them. Like, they they both do what they do well. Oh yes, yes, really. Good choice as always, man. And at my number four, which is pro- one of Disney's most underrated films, I give this one to The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, wow. Yes. I almost forgot about that one, but that's a huge movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, thank you. Like, Hunchback of Notre Dame is probably the darkest and most adult Disney movie. And it still is because it deals with such heavy, mature topics that are very unusual for a Disney film, such as religion, infanticide, uh, genocide, materialism, and xenophobia. Like, this film was... It's that kind of film that... It gets better the more you grow older. Yeah, it's true. And what what year did that come out? The nineties. That's right. Yes. Or it's like the the actual story dates back to like the I think eighteen thirties. Mm-hmm. By uh, Victor Hugo. Yes. Yeah. And so, if you think about that. That's like even in the nineties. That was like a hundred sixty year difference between the. The novel and the movie—that's that's really crazy. But I, I I totally I totally agree with you. And I think, um, for example, the film *Elephant Man*, uh, the David Lynch film—it's totally—it's a totally different. Like, like, I think that's also based on a real story, or like novel. Or, I think it's, it's they're different. They're completely different. But there's very similar themes, and they're both. I think they both really are. It's like Elephant Man is maybe the more adult version of kind of the same idea of the Hunchback of Notre Dame, but they're both almost as sad as each other. Like they're both in, in that context of it being like Disney. It is just as sad in some ways. Like it's just very. You see the injustice of the world and how people are treated who are different. Abilities or whatever, right? And it's just—it just makes you realize. It's just we like to think the world is all happy and mm-hmm. everything's fine, but we forget about how the world is really just hard on people that don't fit into things that are to be expected or, or, or like. Exactly. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, um, you want to say something? Oh, oh, I was gonna say I, I didn't realize they made a Hunchback of Notre Dame like film, like live action film in the '30s. Mm, they did. Uh, I never seen it. Not sure how it stands, but I, I did say there was like 160 years difference. But there, I guess there was a film made in the '30s. But obviously, the Disney film is just. It's huge. That's that's the one everyone remembers. That's like this true story come to life, for sure. Yes, yeah. Like, and, uh, do you think, as far as this movie, uh, can you see this movie ever being kind of brought back, revived? Mm, good question. I would say 
No, because there has been a previous live-action adaptation of this one. And the Disney film is a remake on its own, right? Because it it's the same story, but animated, and with a few changes, of course. Or should I say the uh, Disney-fication? Yeah. That's the one from the 30s. Mm. That's right, oh. yes. But yeah, like the Disney Hunchback of Notre Dame, it's... It really stood out to me. It's very unique, like very Disney. Like today, Disney would not show that kind of film with that much heavy subject matter. Like the f the first four minutes of the film already tell us that make you question: Is this Disney? Because the opening scene, we have the main villain kill a woman and then try to drown her baby just because it's deformed like this is disney right like it it really sets the mood for sure it's different very unique it's a film that i think needs more appreciation because it tells a lot of very important messages especially in today's world yeah yeah it's it's a dark movie like it's actually very but it's brutally honest like the world wasn't a very nice place in those times so i mean like it's it stays true to that i'm not trying to romanticize like the past history this mm -hmm. was pretty pretty bad like you think about all the terrible things that have happened mm -hmm. that's right each other terribly just because they were slightly different it's just um that's doesn't right. shy away from showing how brutal it was and how exactly this guy Exactly. So, and the. Really I'm sorry, you, you want to say something? Oh, just a really whole movie and really um, not shying away from just telling the truth, which I think is so important. That's right, yeah. And the most of the film's dark darkness and mature topic is all because of the the main villain like disney has had plenty of scary villains we've had evil queens witches and sorcerers but the the hunchback of notre dame's villain um judge frollo he is very very disturbingly realistic he's he's a zealot a bigot like a genocidal racist who does all types of horrible things and uses religion to justify his actions like there are people like him out there that's why the hunchback of notre dame is the dark film it is in fact it's the first film in disney to receive a pg rating instead of a, the general audience rating oh, so. yeah because i mean those are really heavy topics it's uh it's essentially that's like a history class mm -hmm. like, for example children i guess like educating them on the realities of the sort of countries that we we think are steeped in all this great history it's actually a lot of great misery and like terrible terrible depression and horrible injustices so it's like it's one of those things that really makes you second guess the way you see history and think okay actually yeah let's not romanticize this let's not glamorize it because uh yeah exactly like you said um i mean both quasimodo and esmeralda they're so um marginalized in the movie and i mean people still are that are in the same positions as them like it's 
what, what, how much has really changed in 2020? Like, I mean, we, we think we've, we've progressed, but in parts of the world, like, it's still the same issues mm-hmm. that they dealt with. That's so right. supposed to take place almost 200 years ago, which is unbelievable. Exactly, yeah. Like, yeah, sometimes... Well, when changing things for the better, nobody said it was going to be that easy. But what matters is that there are people who are trying, at least trying to make that positive difference happen. It's true. And I'm mistaken. I'm sorry. The novel came out in the 1800s, but the setting was the 1400s. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. So that was ah, right. no. almost 600 years ago. No worries, man. Sorry, I had to get the history right. No worries, man. It's so, all good. Sound like I know what I'm saying. But... Yeah, like 600 years ago, and I mean, there's still the same same problems. Uh, if you really think about it, in different parts of the world, so it's like that's sad. And I mean, like we have to we have to face them. So I think that's so important, like you said. If you know these Disney movies have to become a little bit darker and and maybe increase the rating P to PG or, or even higher. Like I mean, if that's to get the point across. Uh, there was there's stories to be told from people that are sometimes forgotten or history just like glazes over them or doesn't let their story come to life for whatever reason and uh this this was a really great example of just like disney's boldness and just going like they've done a lot of movies that have really been like in that traditional sort of mm, outdated conservative sense right but then this movie is from the 90s like we're talking about a lot of movies have just become they've touched on more important things uh and disney movies continue to do that so i really i think the 90s was sort of the transition period exactly yeah you're right and that's how disney will always be relevant in today's audiences by changing with the times as well by holding messages that hold well in today's society but the hunchback really is a very beautiful poetic and thought-provoking film like we more people need to see this film because it it's a wake-up call basically we need to be aware of what's going on around the world disney is for kids we all know that but they can but what matters is that they make children happy but also without pandering to them yeah yeah and you have to you have to show like like we're talking about a lot of dark and it's so dark and it's it's really dark but i mean like even that's the great thing about disney movies they show this dark part of history like Hunchback and other Dawn, but they show the beauty within that right they show the love they show the compassion and it gives you hope for a better world when you're looking at terrible events around the world and tragedies and you kind of there's sort of the mistake people make by thinking you know you get you get so sad by what you hear in the news that you almost like turn your brain off and you stop listening because it's like too hard for some people to accept that our world is like that but it's really important, I think, like to remember that those people still have, who are being affected by things like, it's terrible. And but they need, they still have love in their lives. They still love each other. They have family. They have like relationships. And like there is like, there's happiness even the, the dark of the most dark of experiences. So like for example, you could almost compare this to life is beautiful in a way. Um, the, the film about World War II 
I think, in some sense. Like, it's really, like, just this dark period in history, but it shows how compassion and love will always triumph and will always be better than that. And it will always sort of shine through and be the, be the thing that is more important in life and in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Words that, those words people need to hear more today. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dane. And now we are now moving on to our top three. So, Dane, who do you award the bronze medal to? I'm going to have to go with what you named for your number five. Was it Beauty and the Beast? Yes, uh, yes. Probably my I'd have to go with that. Wow. Uh, what can I say that hasn't been said? I guess, yeah, it's just, it's really, there's, there's an atmosphere to it, like I said. There's a style, there's a feeling that is really unique. It's, it's really, uh, what am I trying to say? I think it, like, it doesn't try to make it all like like similar to Hunchback of Notre Dame. It doesn't try to make it all pretty. Like there's that element of romance, but it doesn't feel like it's a perfect world. Like it feels like this is a very imperfect world that these characters live in, and there's very you know difficult circumstances as far as people being able to break out of their sort of like destiny in life. Can be and find what everyone else has found and, and, and be as deserving of love as everyone else, right? And it's, it's really that sort of sad, there's a sad undertone that's really sad, but there is this emotional, beautiful element to it, like Hunchback of Notre Dame, I would say there's, you can compare them. I so, agree, I agree, yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of the most iconic films. Um, mm-hmm. It holds the settings, the, I just, it's, it's like kind of winter in the movie, right? Like there's like snow falling. Yes, yes. Like there's something that's really like charming about just the mood that it evokes. It's it's really good that way. And I think it's one that uh, you can just you can just see it like in your mind. Like you hear the music, you can you can just feel the movie when you imagine it. It's, there's really a, a tone that is ingrained in my mind. For me. It's great to hear, man. Yeah. Really excellent choice. This was your number three. Nice, man. Nice. For my number three, I award the bronze medal to Fantasia. This was one of the first Disney films I've ever watched. I just... It's so vivid, so artsy, very distinct animation, very... The, if Fantasia is, I think, the most beautifully animated Disney film ever. Even 80 years later, it still holds up. And this film really what inspired also my love and appreciation for classical music from Johann Sebastian Bach, uh, Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, Stravinsky. It had it all. It really, the music, like, this is a film where the music tells the story. It's just outstanding, really. Oh man, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be happy when you see what is ahead of my list. But <laughs> oh man, yeah, Fantasia. It's it's 
it's one of those movies it seems like it's the experience of watching it was like a dream not just the movie itself but the actual like looking back and thinking about when I watched it that doesn't feel real like the whole experience surrounding Fantasia just feels like did that really happen was that in my imagination because it's almost so unlike anything else that you could watch like from Disney like it is just so it's just so like you said it's artistic and it's it's so uh, ambiguous like it's really it doesn't tell you what to think it doesn't really explain anything it's like it's like very similar to for example uh, I don't know like another favorite movie of mine maybe like Koi and his Katsi it's an experimental film that's basically just like it's, it's it's, it's just a, it's an experimental movie that just shows visuals set to music and it's just that's the whole story that's the whole wow. film it's just no characters no dialogue just music and visuals but it's so good and I can kind of see how Fantasia it might have been one of the first movies to like actually attempt this oh yeah it was and, the yeah the third Disney film actually yeah hmm sort of like at the scale of what it is like it's, it's designed to be like it's very mainstream have this mainstream appeal to Walt Disney movie but it's it seems so I don't know like it's, it's I don't know it seems so different from anything else it does yeah very probably the it doesn't like you mentioned doesn't have a linear story or narrative it's most the music is the one that tells the story it's more expressive i'd say it's like watching a painting unfold right before you it's beautiful and also this was known for being the first like film debut of the franchise's mascot mickey mouse with as the sorcerer's apprentice i think that he came from like such a such a different like like you think of Mickey Mouse, and he's very, he's very uh, approachable as like an identity. But in this movie, it's, he's very kind of not mis- maybe mysterious, but like just totally different, a totally different context. Exactly. Yeah. Like, for example, like it's very. How am I trying to describe it? Like it's sort of. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of at a loss for words. Like it's just Always, such, such an overwhelming Always. movie to describe. Yes. Yeah. But I think we'll be really intrigued by how high I have this on my list as well. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Speaking of which, we now move on to second place. So tell me, who does the silver medal go to? So I will have to give this to I think the Lion King. Yes. Um, yes. That's okay, right? That's like not Pixar, I believe. That's right. Okay, good, good. I was hoping I had my list in the right word. But yeah, Lion King, it's just so good. The original Lion King. It's just um, it's a film that, uh, that I, maybe one of the first, maybe, maybe one of the first, that was what, 94? That was around the time that I was, that was right around when I was born. And, um, a few years before and 
it's just so it's just so all-encompassing like it's everything you wanted in this team it's like it shows it shows our world in such a beautiful way like the savannah in africa and it shows the just all of the dynamics of of life like good evil and you know father son and mother and son and just like brothers siblings it's just like wow like there's so much there it's almost it's almost like a religious experience like it's like it's like this is a very like sacred type of film in that sense right exactly yeah this film it really like yeah really good choice man like liking every like I'm always I'm surprised when it's not on someone's list both Disney and animation like it is that great this was the pinnacle of the Disney renaissance also one of the best from the 90s Akuna Matata <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so it's so good. Like I mean, I was I was watching probably like before the the new film was announced, or even like anyone knew about it. Probably four or five years ago, when I was like nineteen or eighteen, and I was watching the sort of uh, the scene, the tragic scene of Lion King, and I was like watching it again as an adult, as like a young adult, and I was like as emotional as I was even more when I was a kid. Like I was just like oh my god like it's just so it brings you to tears especially the original I did I mean the new, the new film that came out last year I saw it in theaters it was okay like I liked the experience because you know I was with my parents and my girlfriend it was the four of us it was it was a good experience sort of the nostalgia but no doubt the original is like way better of course oh yes in my heart and I think subjective or objectively I think it's it's the it's the more it's the safer option to say that that's like the really good version. But I, I like the new one also. But, um, yeah, it's just it's so you can't help but be like emotionally connected to it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, it's a really good mix too of light and dark in the film. Yeah, and like such good comedy in it. It's actually really funny. It's really. Beautiful to look at, and yes, yeah, it's, it's a special movie. It's really it's a special film. I think it'll stand the test of time. It's arguably one of the best. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Good choice. Yeah, your number two. My number two. Well, here's a hint. Tell me, Dane, do you want to build a snowman? Frozen is my number two. Of like, I had a tricky choice whether I should place this one or the other one as my number one. Like, Frozen is the best in all of its songs. Like, I there's just so usually when a Disney song plays, it's sometimes it can feel a bit sappy or padding like it just to pad the film's runtime but with frozen the songs are not just unique and iconic but they also help in telling the story like so many of them that we've heard at some point let it go do you want to build a snowman in summer uh 
Love is an Open Door, this film had it all. It's beautifully animated, and I love how it's, you know, very meta, like fi finally a different type of Disney film, like a princess that doesn't rely on a man to save the day, and it's not a love story where you fall in love with the first person you meet, and that's it. Really, it's very realistic, very funny, and very heartwarming in every sense of the word. Great choice. I haven't actually watched it fully. Like, that's the sad thing. I know about it. I know it's good. It's just, I never got around to it. Unfortunately, a lot of the newer ones, I didn't get around to. Like, I know, like, these are, like, Pixar movies, but, like, Up and um, Toy Story, etc. Like, these, these movies are ones. Well, Toy Story's second. This, number two and three, those are uh, a lot of the other new ones, I just never was able to find like the opportunity to watch it. But I, I knew like there was so much going on around the release. Like it was just like there was like a mania around Frozen when it came out. Everyone was just obsessed with it. What was that? Twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen? Uh, twenty thirteen actually. Yeah, it was just like you could not get away from. Oh no. Frozen. Like, there's a reason why Frozen was the highest grossing animated film at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I, I, I watched it kind of like my mom was watching it. I kind of like saw a little bit of it and I kind of had other things. I was, you know, so yeah, I was in high school at the time. It was hard for me to like, you know, like, there was that period when you're a teenager where you're like, oh, I'm not going to watch anime like there's that like period when you're like 16 17 and it's so silly because like now i love them i'm 24 and it's like why did i think that way but it was just at that time place in my life where i didn't probably have the interest but i should have i should have watched it i should watch it but i know it's good i know it's a really good movie yes. i know i have to get around Yes, you'll love it. it's a great film especially for the winter season as well it's that's true really beautiful it it's the characters are all very relatable and likable the animation is top-notch and stellar but the songs the songs are to me the highlight of this film they once you are done with this film you'll definitely want to build a snowman <laughs> wow yeah i love i love building snowmen like us that's, that's something that um now I, now I know I'll, I'll like it. last year, uh, September, October, early October, um, when um, Camille and I had to, unfortunately, she had to, she had to go home. And then, of course, we had a big coronavirus thing in the last few months. So that was some of our last time together. We built this two snowmen together. And then, like, it stood, they stood in my backyard, like, looking at us or looking at the window to my backyard for, like, the next few days until they melted. And it was just, like... Like you can, even as an owl, I was like 23 or whatever last year, but it was like, I felt so sad with like seeing these snowmen melt because it's what we created. Totally going off track, this is totally- oh, Sorry <laughs> to hear that, man. Sorry to hear that. But like, now I know, now that you mentioned the snowman, I'm going to like it because I have a definite, something sentimental. There's something sentimental about snowmen. It's good to hear, man. It's really good. Your time will come, Dane. You you know it will. Trust, trust me. 
So uh, for me, for number one, I would say. Oh, sorry, I was totally. You're. Are you ready for number one? Oh yes. Who does the gold medal go to? So I kind of hinted at this earlier, but Fantasia. I have to go. Yes. Um, it's one of those movies like I don't ever remember really like specifically being like I'm gonna go watch Fantasia. It was always kind of just like on. Like I think my sister she liked to watch it. I think that might be her number one as well. But she would be watching it and I would watch it. And it's kind of one of those movies like you would think you'd be asking a lot of questions. Like you'd be thinking you'd be like wanting to know what is why why is this happening? What's the scene about? But it's done in such a way that. Even though when you're younger, like you kind of want to put all the pieces together, and maybe something ambiguous might be kind of frustrating as a as a younger person, but at the time, it's so good visually and like the music, like you don't care like oh what actually is going on. You just you just start watching it and it's just like you're in a trance, like you're like hypnotized by this movie.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't need the you don't need the dialogue. You don't need someone to explain it to you. You just you just watch it, and it's just a visual, like immersive experience. Exactly. Yeah, the music is in this case the dialogue. It's what drives the well the narrative forward. It's basically like your feelings, your emotions being spoken into the big screen. Hmm. So true. For nineteen forty one. Like you think about, just think about that. Like think about、um, the context of this movie coming out, right? Like 1941. So World War II was was pretty much in like full force this time. Like 1939 to 1945. Like it was like, I know this is American, an American movie, so maybe this is 1940, 140. This would have been maybe before. I guess the U.S. Really got involved, perhaps. But like, about to think about like the actual context of it, the darkest period of like our human, like modern history, in World War Two, and this movie is just so beautiful and so, so optimistic and so. It is. Such an escapist film in the time of like the darkest period in the last two hundred years, arguably. The world looked like just finished. Like humanity is almost unde- like didn't deserve to be here with how many atrocities were going on. And then you have this film that comes out of this period. It's just it's hard to it's hard to believe that this came out in that sort of darkness.、Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. So I think for that reason, with all those things, you consider all of these elements that went involved with that's involved with the film. It's just unbelievable. It's really a masterpiece, I think. Definitely, yes. Very good as well. Despite not doing very well at the box office, I'm happy it has gotten a lot of recognition even today. Still, eighty years later. Wow. Very true. And for me, for my number one. I hereby award the golden medal for best Disney film to. The Lion King. I, this, I, I knew. Awesome. <laughs> nice. 
like I knew I had to give it like The Lion King it's that film that it gets better every time you grow older and the more you watch it the more it gets better it has everything stellar animation great music unforgettable songs strong characters and villains and this film it's basically to me uh, a combination of everything that makes Disney so good. Oh yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you. It's it's kind of the the movie that you just think of like Disney movie. What do I think of Lion King? Like it's just you just put it's just those two is just so. It's just the it's like the poster child of Disney. Movie. Exactly, yeah. That's the one that I know I'll probably be showing my children, grandchildren, my time. And uh, I don't think it'll ever get old because, like, it can't. Just, that kind of movie is, like, forever. That's forever, just permanent, will be permanently effective for all of history. Uh, future. <laughs> All of the future. Sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. This film was. We've had plenty of amazing Disney films before and after Lion King. That is, we can agree on. But to me, Lion King is like the peak. Disney at its peak, at its very best. This is their finest hour, their tour de force, their magnum opus, their masterpiece. With this film, it's basically the circle of life. Yeah. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Just love it. This song's so many iconic moments as well. The opening, that the opening scene already sells you right from the start. There's no dialogue, and we get beautiful shots of the savanna and all the animals very it really tells the audience get ready this is going to be a hell of an experience and it did deliver in every way um, yes. yeah, um, 100% with you that is such a good such a good number one thank you thank a lot you. of overlap near the end we start to overlap at the beginning and like some differences and then near the once we get closer to number one we started similarities exactly yeah and with that out of the way that is all the time we have left for today's chapter thank you so much Dane for showing up as always here on Sin City you're so welcome thank you so much Nick for including me as co-host once again on Sin City I can't wait for next week and uh, Sin City Friday it's a perfect way to sort of like sort of uh, it's either the way I end my day, my week, or sort of like very close to being the end of my week. And so for that, it's like it's like the the vacation at the end of the week that I need. It's just talking to you about some great movies. It's soul gratifying. Why, thank you, Ding. I also enjoy these moments with you as well on the show. Like our show is one part podcast and one part one part party as well, I'd say. Yes. Thank you all as well for joining us on our penultimate episode of Sin City Season 1. Don't miss out our season finale next week with me, Dane, and Emmanuel as we discuss 
his journey into becoming a filmmaker. Until then, this has been Sin City, live for CMRU.ca. I'm Nick Manessis. And I am Jay McLean. Thank you guys for another episode. Have a great weekend. You too. And today's episode is brought to you by Disney Plus. Now streaming everywhere. Thank you. So long. Bye. Adios. Bye.